0: Hello and welcome to Codish, an exploration of the lives of modern developers. Join us as we dive into topics like languages and frameworks, data and event-driven architectures, and individual and team productivity, all tailored to developers and engineering leaders. This episode is part of our Tools and Tips series. welcome to another episode of the codish podcast my name is aaron allard and i am a platform support engineer at heroku and today i am about to have what i hope will be a very interesting conversation with a startup co-founder named philippe von der stiegel philippe hello
1: hi thanks for having me on the heroku podcast
0: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, So if I understand correctly, uh, one of our podcast producers came across an article you had written or a blog post you had written for your company's blog called From SaaS Idea Validation in One Day to 150 Plus Beta Signups. And I've read the blog post and it's amazing. You've outlined step by step you know, pretty much everything that happened in the first weeks or months of the creation of your startup. And so to launch us off, uh, Philippe, would you tell us a little bit about yourself personally? What's your background uh, before we kind of get into Rocket Chart and what you've created?
1: Yeah. So I'm Philippe van der Stijel. I'm 26 years old. Previously, before working on uh, Rocket Chart, uh, I studied mechanical engineering, it has nothing to do with uh, with tech, but <laughs> anyway, I worked uh, one year in a startup in the delivery field. I manage operations and uh, the providers and some clients, and I quit the startups to work on my own projects.
0: How were you able to do that? Like did you have money saved up? Were you living at home? Like most people can't just quit their jobs and <laughs> go start a startup unless they've done some planning. Um, so what was that like for you?
1: Uh, actually, I have I had one year savings. I can live for one year without working. Uh, so I make a bet with myself like uh, hey, you get, you have one year to launch a business and and earn a living thanks to it. So, Mm -hmm. actually, Mm -hmm. I I just tried to do this and it it isn't working for now because it's more than one year. (laughs) But uh, actually, I I get a a loan to get a bit more of cash runway before getting our first paying customers with rocket shots.
0: And what made you feel comfortable making this bet on yourself? Had you in the past done anything like this before? Had you tried to create your own products and get people to buy them?
1: Yeah, yeah. With my uh, with my little brother Mark, we we launched uh, an e-commerce uh, website, uh, which basically sells Xbox Live online uh, subscriptions. We we found providers in uh, in China and Mexico, uh, and we we bought codes for like uh, half the price you get it in uh, in stores, and so we sell it online. So this was our first experience on like entrepreneurship, and then when I was on uh, at school uh, in engineering school, I get a, a funny idea. It was to send home uh, quality sausages uh, online and send it uh, through like a box subscription model.
0: Quality sausages. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I have to ask you about this, Philippe. This is fantastic. Why <laughs> quality sausages?
1: It was during summer. I was with my friends and we were like chilling, you know, uh, doing a very French uh, apéro time. <laughs> and, uh-huh. and, and we were running out of sausages and we were like a day and everything is closed. And then we, we started talking about like, it would be cool to get a subscription boxes to, to be sure to always have, uh, you know, stuff for the apéro time, etc. So I just, Tested it, and, uh, and it worked pretty well.
0: Really? So you actually you had people subscribing to your sausage boxes.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: that is incredible. Yeah, I wonder if that would work in America. Maybe it would.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: Oh my gosh, this has caught me off guard. I didn't know that we were going to be talking about <laughs> quality sausages. <laughs> okay, so okay, so you've described two different ideas. Yeah. You had this e-commerce idea. Yeah. You did the subscription box. Yeah. Was there anything else? Yeah.
1: So actually, a uh, rocket shot, as you as you understood, is not our first attempt with uh, with my brother we we, pre- we also worked on a, a mobile app which was called Traveler App. Basically it was Instagram for travelers and uh, Mark, my little brother, was the CEO and I helped him on operations and strategy. Mm. We started this like four years ago or three years ago I don't remember well uh, so here is the, the short story Mark got the idea while he was on an academic exchange. When he came back to Paris, he came back with uh, this idea. And we were like, oh, awesome, man. We will be the next Instagram. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. we imagined the solution right after he came back. We raised money from our family and friends. It was around 20,000 euros. So Mark hired uh, a freelance designer and a freelance software engineer. They built the product based on our specifications and design briefs. And after 18 months, we were ready to launch Traveler. And guess what? (laughs) Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Zero users, zero customers, full fail. (laughs) And so finally, 18 months to figure out we we did things the the wrong way. We we never Mm. validated the idea at the beginning. We never talk Mm -hmm. to our potential users and customers before building the product. So we simply built a product nobody wants. So the the main obvious lesson we learned was to validate your ID first and then talk to your targeted customers also.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we'll definitely get into that more. One thing I'm really curious about is you mentioned borrowing money from family and friends to build this product that never went anywhere. Can you talk to us at all about what it's like to have to go back to those people, one, and tell them the the product was a failure, and two, you're going to need their support later mm-hmm. down the road, right? So how do you keep those folks engaged when you've already had one quote-unquote failure?
1: There are two types of people. The first type of people um, were supporting us, you know. They were not expecting anything when they gave this money the other type of person didn't understand very well, uh, you know, the, the risk they are taking mm-hmm. by giving this money. And we, we had uh, 10 uh, people involved and actually just uh, two of them were like, uh, they didn't understand why we, we closed the company and why did we fail, etc. It's quite hard to, to explain to them there, there was a, a, a risk when you when you give uh, that money, and we, we did everything we we could to make traveler a success. But actually, we learned so much, so we are thankful for this. Thanks to you, we learned many things, and actually, with RocketShard, we are not going to do the same mistakes. And uh, actually, it's it's quite hard to to get back to them and saying like, hey, we we failed. You know, it's You feel a bit embarrassed, you know.
0: It's a hard thing to admit.
1: Yeah, it's hard for your ego. And actually, uh, one of the people involved, we didn't talk to each other anymore.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. That's got to be tough.
1: Yeah, actually, it's uh, it's life.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate you speaking so openly and honestly about this because I'm sure we'll have some listeners who maybe have been through this before, or maybe even your advice here can help them avoid this type of situation.
1: Yeah, yeah, I hope to.
0: This does seem like a, a really good segue into Rocket Chart because you did things much, much differently with Rocket Chart. So I'd like to begin by asking like for for your other ideas how did you come up with this idea was it a reaction to a problem that you saw in the world or was it just a a completely new idea
1: back in july 2019 we were on summer family holidays in the south of france but Mm -hmm. our father wasn't enjoying at all He, he spent an entire afternoon on his laptop and I was like, what are you doing? Come with us. And he just can't. Because mm-hmm. he, he was on his spreadsheet, updating his cash flow, exporting data from his bank statements. So I, I asked him why he had to do this. I wanted to know. And the answer was simple. Uh, cash flow is the is the heart of uh, each business. It's um, vital to master your financial situation otherwise you can pay your employees you your own salary your providers and everything collapse so it's critical to manage your cash flow but it uh, it requires a lot of time and energy to do it properly because mm-hmm. spreadsheets are manual and laborious to update, you know. There are no simple tools where you can get your transactions automatically synchronized to capture your cash flow and financial situation, at least in France. So at this moment, I realized that cash flow management was both critical and a true issue for business leaders. And so the idea of RocketShart was born to make it easier for my father to manage his cash flow.
0: I mean, you basically built this for your dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm so fond of my own dad. You know, I would I would build anything that he asked <laughs> me to build him. So I, I totally understand this. Mm. You talked a bit about the Traveler app and how that did not go well. Mm. So you had the knowledge, you know, before you were starting Rocket Chart that you had to do things differently. Yeah. What were those things and what specifically did you do when you first had the idea for Rocket Chart that was different than how you handled some of your other startup ideas?
1: I, I had the idea of Rocket Chart. So th- the first step was done. But the next step is to validate the idea. So do funders struggle to manage their cash flow? And there are many ways to validate business ID, But the main goal at this step is to do it super fast and uh, for free because you don't want to spend time and money on an idea no one will ever care about. For rocket Chart, I leveraged uh, Facebook groups. It might uh, seem weird, but I simply asked myself, where can I reach my target, aka business funders? I was part of some very active groups like... Um, SaaS growth hacks or SaaS founders and execs. Actually, the, these groups are awesome because business founders share tips, learnings, and ask for business questions and recommendations. So I designed a beautiful screenshot of what the tool would do. And it was a fake screenshot, obviously. And I just posted it on two groups. Saying something like, uh, hey, we have developed a tool to manage company expenses, track revenue, and run financial forecast scenarios to make better decisions. And I'm curious to know if it's something you actually need and will pay a subscription for. So I just posted this and uh, the, the results went beyond all my expectations.
0: Before we talk about the results, because this is really cool, I, I want to know how did you create a fake screenshot? Did you uh, just have a designer do a mock-up for you or something?
1: No. Actually, I, I simply used uh, Adobe XD uh, and I did it by myself in like uh, three hours. You know, when when my father was struggling on the, on his spreadsheets and at the beach, we came back uh, at our home vacations, and uh, in just three hours, I, I I make the the fake screenshot and just wow. posted it uh, on the Facebook uh, on the Facebook groups.
0: Very cool. So I apologize. I cut you off. You were about to tell us about the great success you had from posting these screenshots in the Facebook group. So please tell us.
1: Yeah. So the the, the results were amazing. Comments and reactions from people were, were a blast. I, I remember posting on Tuesday evening in France, and it was one of the, of the worst nights of my life because the thing notification uh, rang all night long. You know, <laughs> people were going, were going crazy. <laughs> and uh, from two Facebook posts, I got uh, 384 people who requested to test the product no way yeah and actually actually, normally a post on those groups used to have 50 comments but i had nearly 200 comments on each group wow. so we were like okay
0: <laughs> so what did you do next you you know now that this is the idea has been validated what's mm-hmm. the next step
1: at, at that moment, when uh, when I get such uh, amazing results on Facebook group on Facebook groups, Mark, my uh, little brother, and Eli uh, decided to uh, to join me on this project. It was at this moment uh, because they they see the 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 reactions, you know, and they feel that there is something. So mm-hmm. at that moment, we we didn't know what our product had to do. What did our targeted customers expect from this tool, Uh, and cash flow management was a unknown pain for us. We had everything to discover about it. So the Mm -hmm. the next step was uh, to talk with all these people, and this is the scariest step because you have to talk to people for real, you know?
0: I'm so glad that you mentioned this because... I would also think that this is the scariest step. You have to go out and talk to strangers and probably get rejected a lot.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So
0: how did you, and and I also want to just step back for a second. You said that you, you basically had to learn what the problem was, right? You, you saw your dad experiencing the problem. You kind of knew what the problem was, but you didn't know what would solve it. And so this is interesting to me because a lot of startup founders, uh, as I think we we just talked about a little bit ago, they're solving for their own problem. Yeah. But here you're solving for someone else's problem. And so you decided to take the time to understand what that problem actually is. And this reminds me of something that I've heard in the past around product creation, which is you either pick a product and figure out who will buy it, or you pick a type of person and design a solution for a problem they have, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you went with the second one, yeah. right? You picked a type of person who's a, a business founder, yeah. and one of their main problems is cash flow, and so you and your team decide to build a tool to help them with that. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to wrap that up a little more mm-hmm. tightly. But next, I'm really interested in learning how you got all these people to talk to you.
1: Yeah, so. Basically, I created a, a simple email and message template to start chatting with those business funders. Through Facebook? Yeah, some of them actually commented with their email address, you know, so I, I okay. could directly email them, but the, the majority of uh, of people just commented. So yes, it was uh, through Messenger, Facebook Messenger. And I manually sent it to them.
0: Or manual messages? Yeah.
1: Actually, I really wanted to keep things personal and human at this stage to get uh, honest answers and insights, you know. And that's why Mm -hmm. I didn't automate this.
0: And how long did it take you to kind of cycle through almost 400 people?
1: It lasted for um, one month and a half. All summer, actually. (laughs)
0: Looking back on it, do you think that that was the way to go? Was that a useful... Exercise.
1: Yeah, yeah, and if I have to do it again, I will definitely do it again, because it was a great way to get a sharp understanding of the pain points, the the weakness of the current solutions, and the desired outcomes people expect when they manage their cash flow. You know, this step was truly incredible. And one thing I want to highlight is we didn't build a rocket chart. Those people created it. We got the ID. Then our potential customers created the product they would love to use based on this ID.
0: So from your communications with almost 400 people, the two main things you wanted to know from them were what is not working with the current solutions yeah. and yeah. what do you need instead? Yeah. And when they told you those two things, you are able to construct a product that kind of is a customized response to what they told you is that right
1: uh, yeah that's right i, I have one uh, one example in mind that is quite interesting to illustrate uh, this point on rocket Chart you can directly connect your bank account and all your transactions are automatically pulled in your dashboard like uh, quickbooks so at first we we have never thought about uh, about this at the beginning we, we thought users will import CSV files, you know, with all the transactions to generate the dashboards. And mm-hmm. it's really laborious, you know. And while yeah. talking to a business founder about how he, he handles his cash management, he, he mentioned banking APIs. And we have never heard about these APIs. But one thing is sure no, it took our product to the next level, you know. We will never be there without talking to those people.
0: I also was wondering... Did you get any early commitments from any of the people you were talking to to actually subscribe or buy rocket chart? Did you have those conversations at that time?
1: Uh, yeah so n- not at the beginning uh, but after like uh, one month talking to them, uh, we get a, a sharp understanding of what we had to do and we build the landing page. And it was a, it was a great way to see if they like signups, you know, uh, we, we put a, a get early access button and, uh, mm-hmm. to get early signups. And we connected a, a Zapier to a Google sheet to capture those signups. So you
0: have the landing page. You have the early access mm-hmm. sign up button. People, I'm assuming are clicking on the button. They want to try it. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about? Pricing. Uh, we don't have to talk about specifics necessarily, but I was just curious how your team approached pricing. For example, how do you know how much to charge?
1: Regarding pricing, I, I get an, 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 a really interesting uh, talk with a uh, with business founder uh, during summer, and uh, he, he helps us. Uh, he still helps us a bit uh, when we have question and. Basically, uh, at the beginning of his company, uh, he was charging like $10 a month for the SaaS. It brings a lot of trouble, you know? Like, he get uh, a lot of people who signed up and it generated many support. And uh, and actually, it wasn't profitable at all for him. And one thing he, uh, he told me is that it's better to have 10 customers paying, uh, I don't know, like uh, $100 hundred a month than uh, 1,000 customers paying $10 a month because we, you will have more focus to satisfy those customers and the feedbacks those users will, will make will be far more accurate than, you know, a feedback from a user who is ready to pay ten dollars and if a competitor uh, set a price at nine dollars then he will switch to the competitor you know uh, and he, he advised me to set uh, the pricing like three times more than you think and really yeah so uh, at the beginning we 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 thought like okay let's make a pricing at like um, 39 dollar a month for our tool and we just uh, raised our price three times more than uh, than that. And um, at the beginning, uh, our pricing was based on the annual turnover of the company. And for, uh, now, to, to make it simple now, we just have one plan, which is $99 a month. So if I have an advice on this, is uh, always set your pricing way, way higher than you think.
0: I would also think that the fact that Rocket Chart is selling products to businesses, you could also charge more because it's a business expense and it can be, at least in America, it can be written off mm-hmm. for taxes.
1: Yeah, so it, it's not the case in France, but yes, uh, for the US, it, it works well.
0: We've talked a lot about everything leading up to the launch. Uh, has Rocket Chart launched yet? Is it in beta?
1: Yeah, uh, we, we launched the beta in early December. I I was very ashamed by our our beta. Uh, It didn't do what we were saying to anyone. uh, Like it did only ten percent of what user users expected. We we launched because we wanted to get feedback as early as possible and Mm. confront the product with our potential users, you know. Yeah, and and the ultimate goal of the beta was to figure out how to make uh Rocket Chart a must-have. Uh, and not a nice-to-have.
0: Oh, that's really interesting, how to make your product a must-have and not a nice-to-have.
1: Yeah. To keep users on your product, it has to be a must-have and not a nice-to-have. Uh, otherwise, they will just churn, and you you, you will not uh, bring them back.
0: What else did you learn from launching the beta? Uh,
1: so the, the, the first thing uh, things we learned uh, was... To test, test, test and retest again. <laughs> and by testing, I mean, test what you are doing with a sample, then iterate and then go global. To explain this, I will, I will not take an, an example from the beta, but from the step just before when we were gathering beta, si- beta signups. And it, it's one of our failed stories. As I explained previously, we, we had a, a basic form on the website to capture signups. Beta signups, mm-hmm. and we set Zapier to synchronize it on a spreadsheet. But because we didn't have a backend at that moment, so we we tested the flow and everything was uh, was working well. And the next day, I sent the landing page to people, and thanks to Hotjar, I saw a recording of someone who signed up, and I was crazy, you know, like it was our first sign up, <laughs> and I immediately immediately jumped on the Google sheet to review the information. And surprise, nothing.
0: Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it turned out our zapier went off. And why? Because we were on a, on a free trial at this moment and we, we, oh we, we had access to all premium features of Zapier and we set up the zap uh, with one of those premium features. And the day we launched, our free trial ended and we didn't we didn't check our inbox in the morning and the zap had been turned off (laughs) end of the game
0: (laughs) the lesson here is if it's critical to your business you should pay for it yeah
1: and this is a story of how we lost our first ever sign up
0: (laughs) Uh, but you managed to bounce back yeah 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 did you eventually get a spreadsheet full of people who wanted to try your beta
1: yeah we basically we had like um 150 50 uh, beta signups. And uh, so, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, I wrote um, an article about our journey. And thanks to mm-hmm. this article, uh, we get like uh, uh, 50 or 60 more signups. So it's quite a good numbers, you know, to to release a beta to avoid like a, a mass of users, etc. cetera. And actually, we, we, we only onboarded like 25 uh, beta testers at the beginning.
0: So... You have a whole bunch of people who want to try the product, but you're only letting them have access in groups of maybe twenty or so. Why are you doing that?
1: Uh, I decided to make the beta onboarding in person. I mean, I tried to sit next to the user uh, when he first logged in RocketShot to see like Mm -hmm. how he used the product, uh, how he interact with it, etc. And this way, I was continuing, you know, the human and personal touch we we are so attached to. So it was an I was some way to get incredible insights. Uh, And uh, after like uh, 30 or 40 demos and onboarding um, beta testers, we found out a common pattern about feature requests. And we knew what we had to work on to deliver enough value. So we stopped the beta early January and started to work on on the next release of the product.
0: Okay. So it sounds like you're actually using uh, these smaller groups of beta testers effectively to make the product better. So rather than letting all 150 or 220 people use it early on, you're trying to use this larger group of people, cut them down into smaller groups, and then use these groups to actually make the product better.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: How do you kind of manage all of these people? I'm assuming that Some of the people who sign up for the beta are going to become what we call power users. Mm -hmm. Some of them maybe won't ever use the product at all. How do you manage all of that and like categorize the the customers?
1: I I should have done it uh, since the beginning, you know, Uh, and it was one of the things uh, I wanted to highlight. Is that as I explained, I talked to like more than three hundred business founders and. It was really hard, you know, to get a, a clear picture of what every persona would need, you know, uh, for the product. We had SaaS product funders, restaurant owners, uh, retail store managers, and it was awesome. But, but needs and desired outcomes are really different from a type of business to another. This is what we, we did, you know, during the beta. I decided to onboard only tech startup funders, you know. Uh, I, I decided mm. to. We decided to focus on this persona uh, because you can satisfy every people, you know. And so, this is one advice I, w- I want to give: is that it's great to have um, like many, many potential target, you know, and persona, but uh, you you have to focus on one of them. I think in order to make a product a must-have. So this is what we are doing now as we stop the beta in January. Actually, the the product we are building is made for tech startup founders for the moment. And then in a few months, we will go to the next uh, vertical like uh, hardware startup founders and then digital agency directors, etc.
0: What other advice would you like to give to our listeners?
1: I think it's really hard to find early adopters. And it's a necessity, you know, to to have early adopters, because they will test your beta, they will give you feedback, you know, and help you to deliver a high value product. You have to identify them and maintain a a great relationship with them. And I think a pool between like 20 or 40 early users is good enough to get a, a great product feedback. Actually, finding beta testers or early adopters, is quite hard and because you don't know who they are on how to find them. Uh, and it, it requires mm-hmm. a lot of time and energy, you know. But if you have listened closely just to my advice before, you already have the solution. I, I mentioned the importance of talking to your potential customers to validate your ID. Talking to your potential customers even before they are your customers is the best way to find your early adopters. And... It is one of the one of the learnings we we get through uh, our journey at Rocket Chart, and we didn't struggle to find early adopters because we had it since the beginning. You know,
0: right, right, because of the Facebook groups.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So no market need for the product. Make sure you're using early adopters to help you shape the product. Is there anything else?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's really really important to define early the the type of company you are building because nowadays you know we are overwhelmed by press articles uh, talking about you know how much money company x has uh, has raised or that company y is hiring 100 people some people think it's the only way to grow a company you know like raising funds it's true up to a point It's easier, you know, to spend uh, when it's not your cash. (laughs) And (laughs) regarding us, we we don't want to raise money, at least for the moment. Uh, We don't want to hire people. We just want to run a a profitable business, uh, do it remotely and earn a living thanks to it. And this is it. And if we can stay the just the three of us, we are fine. And, you know, uh, if you decided to go like in the VC back way, your company will never be the same uh, than if you wanted to bootstrap your company. You have to think about what are your expectations in life, you know. You should draw the line of what you want in life and align it with your business choices because your business will be part of your life, whether you want it or not. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And this is what I'm currently learning, actually.
0: (laughs) Mm, Got it. Yeah, I can imagine that as a co-founder, your life is the business, and the business is your life, and everything kind of flows in and around each other.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: The last thing I wanted to ask you, I know there's three of you, so there's you and your brother, and then your friend Eli. Can you tell us a little bit about the role that each of you has and how you all work together?
1: Eli is a is a software engineer. He, he's really good at back end and front end, but. Uh, for rocket Chart he's only doing um, like front end part, so it concerns the website and the interface of the app. Uh, and Mark, uh, my brother, is focused on the on the back end. And um, as I'm the only one full time on a rocket chart. Uh, I do like all the other work. It means like, uh, talking to our users, to other business funders, you know, to get tips, uh, and everything else. And Eli and Mark have a day job, you know, to pay bills. Uh, mm-hmm. so they are working on rocket chart only during evenings and weekends. So we, we had to divide the, the workload. It was a great way, you know, to go fast and be reactive. Uh, since the very first day as they are working uh, like as a side project if we can say so on a rocket chart uh, i try to filter like everything for mark and eli so that they can focus on what really matters you know building the product as fast as possible and uh, i think it's one drawback uh, of uh, bootstrapping you can't always go Mm full-time
0: Well, thank you so much, Philippe, for everything you shared with us today. Was there any parting thoughts you wanted to leave us with?
1: Uh, yeah. So if people want to connect with me to chat or to ask questions, just add me on LinkedIn. Uh, I answer every message. So feel free to contact me if you want to share some some tips and, or if you want to, to get tips or if you have questions.
0: Great. Thank you. We'll be sure to put your LinkedIn profile in the notes for this show so people can find you easily. Perfect. Thanks again, Philippe. This has been another episode of the Codish podcast. I'm Aaron saying goodbye for now.
1: Have a good day. Bye.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Codish podcast. Codish is produced by Heroku, the easiest way to deploy, manage, and scale your applications in the cloud. If you'd like to learn more about Codish or any of Heroku's podcasts, please visit heroku.com slash podcasts.